WBNE. Hello from elsewhere, I'm Casey. And I'm Valerie, and welcome to the podcast where we explore characters, themes, and symbolism in pop culture. This episode comes to you straight from the Pemberley Garden. Because today we're talking about the many adaptations of Jane Austen's novels. The Pemberley Garden. Sounds very posh, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds idyllic, is what it sounds like. That's literally my dream in life. Not to have a huge house like Pemberley, but to be able to afford a gardener who gives you like crazy cool gardens with actual like paths that you can walk on. Hedges. Hedges. I want a hedge garden. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, uh, and but you gotta have the gardener to take care of it all because I don't want to take care of it all. But I want to live in it and experience it. Right. So small house, big, well manicured gardener, gar- garden with a gardener. It's the dream. I'm down. Not to be your gardener, just for that to happen. <laughs> you could learn how to trim the hedge garden, Casey. So could you. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't I already, want to either. I already take care of our little garden in the back. And guys, it's like a tiny garden and it's so much work. It's so overrun with like weeds right now because I'm too lazy to do it and it's too hot outside. So I couldn't do a giant garden all on my own, but I want one. Hey, you got an all important question for me? I do. I have two actually. Two? Whoa. Yeah. Stop the presses. Because our wizards of elsewhere are fantastic and they... Gave us two awesome questions, and I was like, "Mm, I just want to talk about both of them, so we're going to. I actually don't remember what they are, so... Off the cuff, you ready? So this is, yeah, (laughs) off the cuff. Well, Claire asked, what would you do if transported into the world of a Jane Austen novel? Like, occupation? Is that what we're thinking? I think it was just, if you could do anything in Jane Austen's world, what would you want to do? Hmm. I don't know. What's yours? Let me think while you answer it. I had a couple. I really want to ride in a well-sprung barouche. <laughs> okay. Yes. And Can then... you explain that? <laughs> like I'm five? Yes. Is that a type of carriage? Yes. Okay. So a barouche I remember reading Sherlock little... Holmes and there was like, there was always asterisks for all the different types of carriages. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that's... there's so many. Because there's a lot of different types. Why did they need so many? But a barouche is just a little two-person carriage, I believe. Like a, and an open top. Obviously, okay. it's for like nice open. weather. Okay. Yeah. And... Uh, well sprung? Well sprung. What does that mean? It just means that it's one of the few that actually has good, uh, you'd call it like suspension in oh, today's world. Okay. But they call it well-sprung. It just means it rode a little smoother than the other carriages. So you want to ride in one of those? Mm-hmm. Okay. See, I was trying to think of like an occupation, and I'm like, um, I don't know. I, the I only like... good occupation in their time was to be a high-born gentleman or lady. Well, I was going to say, I wouldn't <laughs> mind being one of the, uh, I don't know what they're called, footmen, doormen, for... Uh, Emma's dad, because he's just mm. a, so like if it's Bill Nye, yes, <laughs> which we'll get into this. Is that what those guys are called? Yeah, they're called footmen. Um, Unless you want to be the butler, he kind of runs the whole house. Mm. Or the valet is the one who personally would take care of Bill Nye, like making sure that he has what he wants to get dressed in each day. And I don't want that job. Okay, but I don't want any of those. If if I'm not thinking like if I'm just thinking anything I could do, anything. Yeah. Uh, I just want to like go horseback riding through the English countryside. Right. That's it. 
that's the dream. That's my dream anyways. I know. I, could, I want to do that now, not just if I was in Jane Austen time. Which? Jane Austen's We time. should, Casey. We live in the country. I was going to say we live in England. No. But no, we do we not. We live in the country, and we know people who have horses. It's not the same. There's not those, like, shire We don't have rolling, rolling green hills. hills. Yeah. It's true. We're in a desert country. Okay. <laughs> it's a bit scrubby. This question really reminded me of, I just finished reading this book called Intertwine, and it's kind of a time travel but Regency book, so she's from the present era, Whoa! and she ends up going back to Jane Austen's time, and it was really interesting to see her take on everything from like a modern perspective. Yeah. But also, she hit her head and has amnesia. She has amnesia. So, like, she knows things are weird in this time, but she can't figure out why things aren't, ex- you know... It's interesting because it's not exactly like if you were to just go back in time and be like, well, this is all ridiculous because I, or, you know, she doesn't understand why it's weird to her. So like she's a fish out of water, but if that fish also had a traumatic brain injury. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But I do love, uh, the other thing this question made me think of because I just read that book was that there's one scene where one of the gentlemen is getting handsy and she just like has taken self-defense. So she like defends herself and like grounds him really quickly. (laughs) And it was like so pleasing (laughs) to have a woman in that era who could like take care of herself instead of being so dependent upon the men around her. We're going to get back to this idea later. I'm going to hold on to a thought that I have. Okay. Because I love this, but yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyways. It relates to something later. I will probably end up putting that as my recommendation, my media recommendation at the end. Mm. It's on sale right now on Amazon for 99 cents. So worth that. Do it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Then what's our second question? Our second question. question from whom does it come? Comes from Krista. Okay. And she said, if you could have anything from the Regency period and have it in today's world, what would you pick? A footman. You want a footman? I had that <laughs> Like if too. I feel a draft, they can just put a screen in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> I had that same thought because I was like, I love the servants. Can I have the servants? <laughs> Especially if they're in a powdered wig. There's something special about that. And the the livery, the uh, particular outfits that they wear. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're all dressed the same. Yeah. It's so fancy. Um, what else? The other one I was thinking of Hugh was... Hugh Grant. There was, he was <laughs> Just that. Our Just era. Hugh Grant. Oh, he is? Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I was thinking of was... So they had particular societal rules. Most of them I would do away with. But one that I love they had like visiting hours during the mornings and you did not stay longer than 15 minutes no matter what oh my gosh i want that right 15 minutes and they're out like oh time's up and they just like leave every time yeah it was like a hard and fast rule it wasn't even like best friends stay longer (laughs) so unless you had guests actually staying at your house anybody who came for a morning call did not stay more than a quarter of an hour i thought you were going to say the rule that a uh, husband and wife couldn't sit by each other at a dinner party. Oh, they yes. had to sit away from each other. <laughs> no, I feel like... I would hate that. You're I my buffer. I would hate that too. <laughs> I, that's what I think too. You're my buffer. But the nice thing is it would force you to, you know, get to know other people. To at socialize. The party. Yeah. yeah. But seeing as we don't want more than 15 minutes in calls, clearly we don't want to so- socialize. So yeah. You have this wonderful book. I don't know if you're going to mention it. The Jane Austen... Handbook. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. What's, what, what's, all, what's it all about? It's... Everything you've ever wanted to know about Jane Austen. Like, like her time period. Like her time period, you know. Like you could look up what a barouche is or you could look all up... All the social rules. All the social rules. You could figure out the different levels between 
uh, Lord, uh, uh, Marquis, uh, I can't even say that one, Marquise, Marquise, I don't know how you say it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever said it out loud. Uh, Duke, that he can look like. Marquis. Yes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think it's a Marquis, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sounds like a very handy book if you, mm-hmm. when when you get to writing your Regency novel. Oh, yes. When that take, I've read enough of them yeah. that maybe someday you should do it. But I'm I'm an un- I'll illustrate it. I'll draw creepy little pictures <laughs> of the Marquis. Yes, <laughs> deal. If you'll do a little chapter head- heading illustrations for me, mm-hmm. I'll write one. Deal. Yeah. I actually looked up in preparation for this because I was curious. I was like, how many Regency? Not even, I mean, I've read all of Jane Austen's, uh, but then how many? Like Regency romance books have I read, and I've read over sixty according to my Goodreads. That is many. It is many. That's dozens. That is less than I thought it was, though, because I mean, I don't know. My Goodreads has six hundred something books on there that I've read, and so I thought it would be like a higher percentage of that. Good flex there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just really thought of all the books I had read that I would have read more of that because I feel like it's the one I go back yeah. to time and time again. I would. They're just easy. I would have guessed, I don't know if I would have guessed more than 60 something, but in terms of like the percentage of books that you've read versus the percentage of Regency, I would have guessed it to be higher. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's my favorite genre. And I... You decided that? Because I asked you that the other day and you said you couldn't decide. It's not my favorite genre. I don't know, Casey. Because I say that and I love it. I think it's the easiest genre for me to get into and read if that makes sense interesting but i also like love a good fantasy series or a sci-fi or whatever else i love them all that's too hard to pick yeah which is why there's so many books on my goodreads anywho this isn't about uh goodreads but we are going to talk about all of our favorite jane austen adaptations today and i'm so excited i'm very excited as well I feel like this episode may be a slight consolation, like Casey hasn't read Jane Austen, so we got to add the adaptation part to the episode. (laughs) So I'm glad you're excited despite that. You've read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I have. That's as close as you've gotten. We'll talk about that. Um, I'm not opposed to reading Jane Austen at all. In fact, I quite like... I love all the movies. I love, love, love all the movies. Um, So she's an author I will eventually get to. And I do love, I mean, I love British literature in general. Um, she's just one I haven't gotten to yet, but I will. So where are we? What's our structure, Valerie? We're going to go. Let the record show that Valerie did the structure today. <laughs> I'm in charge. And I thought about this because I kind of wanted to talk about them in order of, I don't know, some kind of preference that mm. the universe has, like a ranking of Jane Austen. But there are zero universal rankings of Jane Austen. Like everybody has such a different preference. And not even that, books. but just um, vastly different takes on the stories themselves. Mm-hmm. Like some people believe that Jane Austen was writes in a super feminist way. And then other people are like, no, she's like super conservative. Like no one can agree on <laughs> anything about Jane Austen, which I kind of love about her. Um, because those are the, to me, those are my favorite types of stories, the ones that are endlessly debatable and um, able to be analyzed. And um, she definitely fits in that category. Absolutely. And she's interesting because, well, it's different when you're looking at her from a modern perspective, too. Right. Like nothing she writes is going to, f- well, I don't know. I'd say there's still some feminist things in her books. But the majority of her stuff is definitely a, a critique on the society around her. Right. 
Um, I think she thought a lot of those rules and things were pretty silly. But she also wasn't going to go breaking them all because she lived in that society. That was yep. just life. The, the way I gather, and this is coming, again, from someone who hasn't read it, but um, so you can tell me, but the feeling I get is that it's all very tongue-in-cheek. And so some people just miss the irony of it, that she is kind of, that she's satirizing her society and time period and the social rules and all of that, but it's subtle enough that you might miss it. Yeah, it's definitely tongue-in-cheek, yeah. Especially like like you're saying through a modern lens, it might appear that she's serious about it all. Right, that she's just talking about how society was at the time. Yeah. But yeah, you can definitely tell that she's critiquing it in a lot of ways. All right. So what's the first? So we're going to start with release or publication order of the books. Okay. That's what I went with here. So the first book that Jane Austen published was Sense and Sensibility in 1811. And I only recently found this out. Uh, Sense and Sensibility, actually all of her books were published anonymously in her during her life. And then the two that were published after her death by her brother, those were the first two that actually had her name on them. Oh, interesting. So they were all published anonymously. And so Sense and Sensibility just said... Um, it was written by a lady, was a lady. all it said. <laughs> yeah, so she didn't pick a pseudonym or anything. She just said, written by a lady. And then Pride and Prejudice was the next book that came out. And that one said, written by the author of Sense and Sensibility. So that was kind of her um, context, you know. And so the other books would do kind of the same thing. They would list her previous works, but never her name. Interesting. Yeah, I was just wondering about George Eliot, because that's a pseudonym for a woman. Mm-hmm. She wasn't born until 1819. So um, she's slightly after. Yeah, she's after. The Bronte sisters are after her. Um, and I mean, they use their names. Who is it? I think it was Charlotte Bronte. Not a fan of Jane Austen. Oh, really? Yeah. Did also, they have a fight? Mark Twain has a really mean quote about Jane Austen. Have you ever read that one? No, I have not. <laughs> Mark Twain wrote something about like, he wishes he could dig up her grave and hit her over her head with her own shin bone or something. Like it's... That sounds familiar. <laughs> mean <laughs> he was clearly I'm not looking a fan it up while you because and i mean i love mark twain and i like his writings but he's not a fan of jane austen so she was definitely very uh had oh, a yeah, very it's a mean quote oh yeah read it for us should i yes. it, it sounds really mean oh it is mean okay he says i haven't any right to criticize books and i don't do it except when i hate them i often want to criticize jane austen but her books madden me so that i can't conceal my frenzy from the reader and therefore, I have to stop every time I begin. Every time I read Pride and Prejudice, I want to dig her up and beat her over the skull with her own shin bone. That's, <laughs> that's excessive and, and gross. Mark Twain, not a good look. I like yeah. that he starts. I haven't had any right to criticize books, but I'm going to. Right, because he's Mark Twain. I want to know why. Like, he doesn't really say... No, he doesn't say why he doesn't like her books. And maybe he didn't get it. Maybe he didn't understand that it was For somebody who ironic. is also kind of satirical about the people around him... He should have gotten it. Well, in this debate, the Mark Twain v. Jane Austen duel, I'm on Jane Austen's side. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he probably couldn't handle any women authors, so it's yeah, it's probably it's probably a marker of his time and era. Probably. Like, he probably didn't like any women authors. So that's a biased opinion, and that's just Jane Austen's lot in life. Like she was only mediocrely received during her life. There were plenty of women who liked reading her novels. Yeah. Um, but she wasn't considered a classic, you know, to needs to be read books until a hundred years later. Right. She's part of the English canon that 
um, you know, you might study in college now. Now, yeah. But her books were seen as but lowly that's only at been, the time. Yeah, that's only been in the last couple decades that she's had college classes. In fact, my uh, I had a college class on Jane Austen, and it was wonderful. But my professor had to kind of push for it. Like, yeah. it wasn't like a regular class that they always had. It was a special class. So, Sense and Sensibility, so, 1811. Back to Sense and Sensibility. <laughs> there are four versions on TV and film. So, the first one was in 1971, which, if you know about Pride and Prejudice, that's pretty late in the Hollywood game to be adapting Sense and Sensibility. Um, but yeah, jump ahead a little. Well, sorry, you were going to say something. No, go for it. Uh, Prime, I was just gonna say, Prime and Prejudice has always been her most popular for adaptations. Yeah, because there's, we'll get to it, but there's 12 versions on TV and film, at least. And that's the direct adaptations. Oh, yeah. Not counting if you modernizations or <laughs> twists on the story. You know how many Hallmark movies there are, Casey, that have some kind of like christmas at pemberley or like and it's like a modern thing but they've like taken small aspects of pride and prejudice i believe it there's a lot i, b- I bet that 95 percent of their output is austin inspired <laughs> <laughs> i love hallmark movies actually oh i'm i'm here for all the cheesiness yeah so i've obviously never seen the sense and sensibility the 1971 i have not i either. don't know where you'd even find a copy of that one i don't know i don't remember who's in that one Nothing stood out to me because I was ready to talk about 1995. Right. And that's such a big gap, too. Right. 71 to 95. But the 1995 version has... We're starting with the best, possibly. It has my heart and soul. Yeah. It is one of my like top 10 favorite movies of all time. And I love it so much. So 1995's version, written by Emma Thompson. She did the screenplay. Yes. Her first screenplay. First screenplay. She won... I guess the Academy, the Emmy, something. The Not Oscar, the Oscar. Yes, which there is the go. Academy Award. I don't know. I don't know any of those things. It was yes. like yesterday. No, I'm not going to embarrass you. Never mind. <laughs> Do it. No. I. It wasn't that long ago that you didn't realize that the Academy Awards and the Oscars were the same thing. Oh, yeah. That was just like a couple years ago. Yeah. And I was like, well, why the heck does it have two names? <laughs> this makes zero sense. The Oscars like the colloquialism. The, uh, the It's actually called like the Academy Awards. Yeah. So. No, that was, yeah. I was probably, uh, it was only a couple years ago. So, yeah. you know, I'm in my late 20s when I finally found that out. It's okay. We all learn things like I learned, remember, I realized the other day that toad from mario is because he's a toad stool yes. i always thought it was weird like why is he named after an amphibian when he's clearly a mushroom <laughs> and then i just i don't even know why it just we came were to talking me about it and i said something about a toad stool and you're like is that why his like, name Whoa. is a toad my brain exploded and i was like yeah casey it's gotta toad be <laughs> from mario i never played but i'm sure it's a toad is. stool like i i don't i don't know i just thought he was an am- amphibious in some way <laughs> um, but yes, so directed by Ang Lee, this one, written by Emma Thompson. It's got the best cast. It's basically every everyone that's in Harry Potter Pre-Harry before Potter. Harry Potter was in Sense and Sensibility. So it's got Emma Thompson. It's got... Um, Imelda Staunton. Imelda Staunton. It's Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Hugh Grant. He's not in Harry Potter. He's not but, in Harry Potter. Um, Hugh Grant. It's got the guy that plays Fudge. The lady that's mm-hmm. the fat lady in the painting, like all yes. these, all these Harry Potter characters. Um, it's like Hugh Laurie. Basically, no. the entire British greats list. Yeah, Hugh Laurie plays Mister. Oh, uh, Melda Staunton's husband. 
No, I'm not going to remember. And him. he might be my favorite. Jennings is the mom. What's I'm trying to remember her daughter's married name? Anyways, um, it's going to bug me now. I'm trying to think of it because she says so and so is always in ill humor, and I'm trying to remember what she says right there. He's definitely a, he's got a small role. Um, but I don't know if he's like that in the book. But he's my favorite character in among the adaptations because he's so. I think his role in the book is even smaller, he's so, so you don't get quite as much acerbic and mm-hmm. clearly just. Um, can't stand the the silliness of the time he's born in and specifically his own family and I don't know how those two got married right <laughs> I mean other than it was the arranged fact that in some way things are basically who's got the money who's got the title but even then I feel like they generally had like a couple of meetings where you'd be like this isn't a good idea <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. And it's very close to the book. Not perfectly so. They take liberties, of course. Yeah. But you carry a lot of it through. And I love that it's... um, She wrote it in a way that is focused on these characters. And yeah, they're looking for love, but it's not like the only thing that defines them. Um, And I mean, I'm sure the book is the same way because these books are focused on the the female characters um, more so than the men. Right. It's all about the relationships, but not just with whoever they're falling in love with. It's about how they react to their families and their neighbors and their friends. And the interactions between everybody are huge, which is one of the critiques for a lot of Jane Austen's books and why some people will, you know, the hoity-toity people will say that Jane Austen's books aren't made to be movies because there's just so much inner dialogue you get from the characters and then so much dialogue between characters that's really important. And so that's not very exciting to watch on movies so they cut out a ton of it yeah like you can't have all the dialogue You've got unless a... it's the bbc pride and prejudice <laughs> but we'll get there <laughs> <laughs> the thing i love about sense and sensibility as well is that the men are very like the the leading men the men that they end up with are very not toxic masculinity men in fact um i feel like a lot of her books also although they're focused on the women a lot of them are like these men that seem like they would, they're the best catch or they're the ones that they're falling in love with at first. And then they realize that, oh, wait, this guy is not good news. Bit of a scoundrel. Yeah. And then they learn that um, this other guy over here, I don't want to say he's the nice guy because that's a, a bad trope. It's more like um, they kind of let the women figure stuff out and aren't like pushy. And I, I don't know how, if I'm describing it well, but. I would say that's true most, but I do have problems with, um, oh, what's his name and Emma um, that she ends up with. Yeah, Paul Rudd. Yeah, and Clueless, exactly. Uh, Woodhouse? Is that her name? No, that's her name. Her name's Emma Woodhouse, and his name is somebody in our audience is like, it's so-and-so. Knightley. George Knightley. Knightley. There mm-hmm. we go. Because he critiques Emma so heavily. And I get it. She's like young and she's pretty immature in a lot of ways. And Emma is always the train wreck that I cannot look away from. But I feel like their relationship doesn't shift enough by the end of the movie for me to be that cool with it. Or the end of the book. I don't want to put words in your mouth but maybe it's um because i haven't read emma and i know you it's not your favorite but maybe that's part of it is that so many of jane austen's heroines learn a lot and they're sort of moral stories but they're allowed to learn sort of on their own versus emma's just sort of learning from george it's true knightley is preaching to her yeah sermonizing he's not the only one though i also do not like um in mansfield park Fanny's, which first of all, it's the worst name for a heroine. 
But in Mansfield Park, um, Fanny's cousin that she ends up with, he's not my favorite either. Although I like him more than Knightley, so. I have a quote from Ang Lee. Can I read this? Yes. Back to Sense and Sensibility for a minute. So Ang Lee wasn't familiar with Jane Austen when they asked him to direct Sense and Sensibility. Interesting. Um, and he's he's a Taiwanese director. And they had seen his earlier film and felt like the drama of it um, kind of fit into what they were trying to do, like this family drama. Ang Lee said, I thought they were crazy. I was brought up in Taiwan. What do I know about 19th century England? About halfway through the script, it started to make sense why they chose me. In my films, I've been trying to mix social satire and family drama. I realized that all along I'd been trying to do Jane Austen without knowing it. Jane Austen was my destiny. I just had to overcome the cultural barrier. So I love this, that there's some sort of uh, universality that he realized was in his filmmaking DNA, so to speak, that he was already kind of already kind of doing it. And then he realized um, that he was perfect for the job. I love that. That's fantastic. It goes to show that is a truth universally acknowledged that her themes are still relevant to all of us because we all have families and family drama and people we judge too harshly or, or you know, whatever it may be like her stories are about people and people have not changed that much in the last couple hundred years i love that that there's these trappings of of 19th century england and the social rules and all this stuff and that's very interesting and in sort of a um you know at this point in our 200 years later it's almost anthropological but like i love this idea that the undercurrent as you said is about people which i think like, you know, you said it being anthropological is kind of what holds people back. Like, mm. it is stepping into a different world. You're like, I don't know what half these words mean. I don't know what a barouche or a phaeton is. Why do the footmen have specific jobs that they do? Like, it is stepping into a very different culture, like Ang Lee's saying. Uh, it's a bit of a culture shock. And so it's hard to start her books, I think, for a lot of people. Um, but once you get into them and you get to the actual stories, then you realize how much you can still relate to them. And they're wonderful. I love that. And I think that can be true for all, you know, all genres should be able to do that. You know, that's why the best sci-fi works when it works is because it's about about people and that the, the science fiction elements are just the, the dressing. So what we're saying is that Jane Austen's stories and sci-fi are very similar. Yes, I am saying mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Yep. I they, stand by it. They introduce you to a whole new world that you've never experienced exactly. they use language that you don't understand and you have to kind of get over all that to get to the story yep yeah exactly it's like dune exactly <laughs> sense and sensibility is basically dune that's what i'm saying i mean the family drama is definitely yep. there yeah politics a lot of dialogue it's all there <laughs> let's see here in dune you've got sandworms in sense Collins. and sensibility you've got Fanny. Well, we're talking sense sensibility. Okay, fine. If you're talking prime prejudice, you'd go Collins. Yeah, he's a sandworm. Fanny's sure. definitely a sandworm. Or the social rules, the sandworms. Ooh, the trappings. Yeah. And they hear you coming. <laughs> exactly. You have to step lightly. And they lightly. condemn you for step everything. Step lightly or, the, or you'll get eaten. Yes. <laughs> so, we've only covered one version of sense and sensibility. A couple of, couple of other mentions. There was a 2008 miniseries... Um, it's done by, it wasn't BBC, but it was like a British production company. Um, and they're all on Hulu, Casey. So I started watching them today. How are they? Good. They're really good. Who's um, in it? So I only recognize two characters. Okay. 
The rest of the cast is unknown to me. Um, but Edward Ferris is played by Dan Stevens. Okay. Who is um, Beast. Beast. Yes. And also he's, uh, I don't remember his character's name, but he's in Downton Abbey. He's the doctor, the, doc- the lawyer. He's also the Russian the singer and uh, in the the yes the Netflix. in the new book and the new movie with the Will Ferrell Will Ferrell yeah. mm-hmm. yes so Dan Stevens is there and he plays Edward okay and he he's doing great I mean so there's two Hulu has it split into two movies and they're both like an hour and a half long oh okay so I'm only like forty minutes in I didn't get to finish it um, but I love when I get to find new old Jane Austen content yeah. just fab fabulous. Um, but, and then, uh, Sir John Middleton is played by Mr. Weasley, Mark Williams. Okay. So those were the only two I've recognized so far. We'll see. There's a couple of the characters I haven't met yet, but, um, I would recommend it so far. It was interesting. The first little like opening scene starts out with this like steamy love scene. And I was like, this isn't sense and sensibility. Like, what is this? Like, it's tastefully done. It's not like explicit or anything. But I was like, I don't even know what this is. And I'm looking, like, I was trying to figure it out. I was like, the only characters this could possibly be are um, Willoughby and um, what's his name? Colonel Brandon's uh, ward, his goddaughter, whatever she is to him. Yeah. It's got to be that. And it's like a really short clip. But I was like, oh, what a weird thing to start with. And then they go straight into the propriety of 18th century England. But anyways, um, I would recommend it. I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it. Other versions? I don't know any other versions. Sense and Sensibility. The only other one I came across was, and I found this on Jasna, for those uninitiated, Jasna is the Jane Austen Society of North America. And they have a website and a society you can join. You should join. I should. It's probably a membership fee. But they probably have cool, like, you know balls you could go to yeah. if you lived if you lived anywhere close enough to actually go to one i don't know if there's a chapter in utah i should look it up i'd come i'd come would you dress up yeah sure let's do it it's our next cosplay okay <laughs> <laughs> um i have zero desire to wear a corset but we could work around that by work around that you mean i have to wear a corset there you go you'd fit into one better <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but anyways, I was going on their site and they have a a list of all the books and the adaptations made from each book. And they have The Lake House listed as a Sense and Sensibility adaptation. And at first I was like, wait, that makes zero sense. The Lake House with Keanu Reeves and And, Sandra Bullock. And Sandra Bullock, yes. And I was like, so I clicked on the article and I was reading it and I was like, oh, I guess there are a lot of similarities. Like it's a very loose adaptation. But they have taken um, several things from the characters that were similar. And even the idea of, like, the timing. Like, their timing isn't quite right, you know, until, like, the end. Just very much like Eleanor and Edward's timing. Anyways, it was an interesting article. It was mind-opening. And it makes me want to watch The Lake House again, which, when I watched it, I didn't like it. But maybe if I looked at it through a sense and sensibility lens, I would be more inclined to appreciate it. (laughs) Maybe. Let's move on to Pride and Prejudice, Casey. Right. 1813. And as I said, there have been 12 versions to TV, just to TV and film. So that's not counting like comic comic book adaptations or other things. But the first TV series was in 1938. Wow. um, Which is still, you know, 100 and... And 20 years after it's been published, but right. um, still fairly early in Hollywood. And that version is lost to time. It's nowhere to be found. That's tragic. Yeah. 
But then in 1940, so this is just two years later, there was a movie made starring Laurence Olivier. I didn't know that. Really? Mr. Darcy. And the screenplay was co-written by Aldous Huxley, who wrote Brave New World. That's so, right. Who knew? I didn't That's know that he had written any screenplays, but he co-wrote it. Yeah, in 1940. And then, 12 years later, Peter Cushing, also known as Tarkin, played Darcy. <laughs> this would be a very young Yeah, Peter 1952. Cushing. This was even before, because Peter Cushing... I can't picture him as anything other than Tarkin, so I don't right. know what he looks like as a young, dashing man. Well, and by the time of Star Wars, he was well known for being in like the Hammer horror films as like Van Helsing or various characters in those early horror films. Okay. But those were after 1952 so he was in some slightly more like serious or um even romantic stuff like this and then he went into the hammer horror films but uh, i just do not see is, him as the romantic lead in anything right it's, it's really hard. hard we should try to find should that one but definitely try and find it this one was also lost so Aww. i don't know if we'll ever get to see peter cushing as darcy maybe there's like some still images of time travel out there, but time travel that's time what we'll travel. do with our time travels go back and watch the peter cushing version of darcy yeah that's my goal yep that's all we need time travel for really and then there were a few other ad- adaptations and then in 1995 which is a special year for jane austen i don't know what it was up with 1995 a, a rebirth a revitalization yeah. of jane austen love because we had sense and sensibility then we had yes. the colin firth pride and prejudice you also had Clueless. Yeah. So what do you want to say about Colin Firth? I, I've never seen this version, actually. Really? We own it, but I've never seen it. I know. I'd watch it. Let's start now okay. and it'll take us a week. <laughs> <laughs> that long, huh? Well, you know, if you're only watching it in the evenings for like an hour. Yeah. I don't know. How long is it? Where is it, Casey? I'm going to find it. I don't think it's that long. Like, long. I always guess like five hours. Is it longer than that? Well, it's alphabetical. So I can't remember it's a Blu-ray. Yeah. Let's see here. It is, oh, not as long as I was thinking, 310 minutes. So what is that? Let the audience know. I always just wait for Casey to do the math when I ask a question. <laughs> hey, I was right on. Five hours. Five, Five hours. So it's longer than, you know, one Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings extended. Extended version. Yes. But shorter than two extended. So. This one is really fun just because the dialogue is word for word from the book. Like, I don't mm. think they miss a single sentence. Maybe they do. Hence so, the five hours. Hence the five hours. It's slow in areas. But if you love the dialogue, and Jane Austen is fantastic at writing dialogue, then it's really enjoyable. It is, um, I mean, I like Colin Firth in it. It's one of those things where some people just find him so swoon-worthy, and I'm yeah. like, eh, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Maybe it's because you've seen him in more things where he's older, and so Maybe you picture that's him it. as older. I picture him as a, as Amanda Bynes' dad in What a Girl Wants. That's wow, like, that's very know. specific. Yep, that's how I picture him, as like stodgy, but then, you know, he used to be like in a rock band, and mm, like he's okay. kind of putting on these yeah. British proper airs, but he's actually a little more loose than that. That is exactly how I picture Colin Firth in real life, <laughs> is how he is as Amanda Bynes' uh, running for office father. That's fair. Yeah. that's uh, Anyways, um, <laughs> he is good in it, though, and I do really like this one. The downside is the length that makes it harder to watch. It's a, it's a commitment. And I also think of now that I, we watched Austin Land not that long ago, Yeah, which is not a adaptation of any of her novels per se 
but it is based off a book called Austin Land. Yeah, it's worth mentioning here. By Shannon Hale, and it's a fantastic book. She also wrote all the Squirrel Girl, or the two Squirrel Girl books. Yes. I mean, how different can they be? (laughs) But (laughs) Shannon Hale does everything. But that book is like the biggest fanfic to Jane Austen because the character goes and lives in a Jane Austen period resort kind of thing for a couple of weeks. Almost like a fancy theme park. Yes. (laughs) And like all the characters, you know, all the actors, there's actors in character and and everybody gets to have their big romantic love scene and, you know, their love moment. And uh, anyways, she is obsessed with Colin Firth. And in that movie, Austin Land, uh, it has Carrie Russell as the... Yes, there's a movie version. Yes, it has Carrie Russell as the main actress, and she's fantastic. But she has this cardboard cutout of Colin Firth as yeah. Darcy that she's, like, kissing. <laughs> so that's that's how deep a lot of people's uh, Colin Firth love goes. Cardboard cutout level? Yes. So you're not at cardboard cutout level. No. You're at enjoy him and what a girl wants level. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think he's a fine Mr. Darcy, but I would say that my favorite version of Pride and Prejudice is the Kira Knightley version. Yeah, so 10 years later, 2005, we get the Joe Wright directed Kira Knightley version. Which we watched this past weekend. Yes. And then we just happened to watch Pirates of the Caribbean the next night and then just realized it, that it was really a Kira Knightley weekend, apparently. Yeah. We were in the mood. And so in my mind, they're all mixed together. So like when you said you'd want to be a butler, my thought was, no, the butler opens the door and gets shot by yes. pirates. <laughs> and I was like, wait, that's not Jane Austen. That was Pirates of the Caribbean. That would be a different Jane Austen world. That'd yeah. be fun. I do really like the, the 2005 Pride and Prejudice a lot. I think it's amazingly shot. So I was going to say, um, it's so pretty. It's pretty. Joe Wright uses a lot of fun. He He's kind of known for one or long shots. And so there's some party shots that are really long, that are really fun. And to I, I don't know the count. technical term, but like the focus shifts. He does that a couple times. Some racking focus. Yeah. Racking um, focus. That's really cool. There you go. That and, was a flex. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> you get your Goodreads count. <laughs> I get my my focus racking focus um no but i love the way it's shot in terms of like a lot of the party scenes and stuff are shot very fly on the wall like you're kind of just again it feels very anthropological like you're there to observe yeah be part of it observe um be a be a fly on the wall so i really like that about it plus i think it's really well acted um the cast is phenomenal and all it they all are amazing. Yeah. They do such a good job. I like the costumes in that one for the exact opposite reason why I like them in Emma, which is funny. But what do you mean? In, the, in Prime Part, like all of their costumes, I feel like they're very realistic to the era. They're often just in whites or browns because the Bennets didn't have a ton of money. You know, Elizabeth would have been in, you know, just uh, cloth that would have been cost less to dye. So, you know, like brown's easy color to dye. Um, But like your blues or your pinks or your purples, those are more expensive. Um, There's the fabric nerd in me coming out. (laughs) I Uh, love it. (laughs) A little history on on clothes. Um, But so it's very realistic and they're simply cut. There's not a ton of like flounces or or lace or anything that would have been expensive because they wouldn't have actually had those. Uh, The Bennett family wouldn't have. Whereas you look like like Georgiana's clothes are definitely fancier um, than like the Bennett sisters. And then, um, but like in Emma, the newest Emma movie, the costumes in that are all incredible. And even 
those who are lower ranking, uh, they still have like fantastic clothes. Like they're very, they're still out of like satins and things instead of like linens. Yeah. Anyways. So I like them both. They're just both different interpretations mm. of the era. But I like that they are very realistic for yeah. that version of Pride and Prejudice. So then with Pride and Prejudice, we get things like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Which, which is a movie. I didn't know. It is a movie. I've never seen it. But um, I have read the book. I really enjoyed the book. I've heard it's actually very true to the storyline. Just, you know, zombies in there. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like the zombies happen to, happen to be in there. But I was thinking earlier what you said about women kicking butt. That's very much a women kicking butt kind of book. Right. Um, I should read it. Um, I, I recommend it. I think it's fun. I feel kind of guilty that it was my first foray <laughs> into Austin in terms of the written word. But um, it was a long time ago that I read it. Like I, you know, years ago. So I don't remember a ton about it like story wise. But I do remember that it felt, I don't know, it's just very entertaining. But also it didn't take crazy liberties with the story. I didn't feel like... Uh, it was still very much co-written by Austin. And I'm not such a purist that that like breaks my heart. Like yeah. I would read it. I think it sounds like fun. Uh, I believe there's another one, Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. Yes, I have not read that one. So I need to read them both because I love all things Austin, even. And why not? Like, like I love wild. fantasy. Like why not a fantastical Austin? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's this like, there's this spectrum, you know, you get like the very literal adaptations of the films mm -hmm. um in terms of films i mean like pride and prejudice and the bbc pride and prejudice and angley and and emma thompson's sense and sensibility that's like the more literal adaptations yes and then the other end you get the weird twists like um pride and prejudice and zombies or um even like the modern adaptations they're all a lot more loose um yeah they just take the, names of characters and maybe yeah. a little bit of the story and then in the middle i feel like you have emma because it's a, a fairly literal adaptation in terms of the characters and stuff but it's very much a, a fantasy it's almost fairy tale like in terms of like you were saying the way it's the the costuming and the way it's shot and oh yeah the um, carriages that are like turquoise colored yeah. and it's like i love this it's yeah. all so colorful and so so beautiful but it's not realistic to the era yeah. but it's amazing yeah and the tone of it too it's not as tongue-in-cheek it's a little more um, I don't know, less subtle. That sounds like a, a jab. I don't mean like, that, but it's um, no. But see, it kind of comedic. reminds me, as far as a period, you know, if you're looking at a period piece of something, it makes me think of like has a similar vibe to like Moonrise Kingdom or something. It it does feel very Wes Anderson yeah. in the colors used for sure, and maybe even the the framing. Yeah, I could see that. That's what I'm feeling. Yeah, it's, it's like a Wes Anderson version of. Jane Austen. Yeah, I think that's an apt description. But also it's directed by, and I can't remember her name, give her uh, credit. Um, Autumn DeWild. Yes. From a screenplay by Eleanor Catton. And that's another great one where, like Little Women we've talked about, that, that also came out, you know, within the past year. It's a very female heavy cast because one of the composers, there were, it was like a composer team, but one of them is a female as well. So you get like directed by, written by, music yeah. by. It was fantastic. Let's see. Is Emma next on the list? Like, are we just talking about Emma now? Uh, no. Or is there something in between? Mansfield Park. We can we can skip ahead to Emma. I don't know anything about Mansfield Park, so I don't. Mansfield Park only has. Well, okay. First, we have to go back to Pride and Prejudice because there's two I didn't talk about yet. Oh, okay. One. There's just so much to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so I gotta go back. No, we're good. <laughs> um, there is a. Uh, Pride and Prejudice, a Latter-day comedy, which is funny. Which is, I don't know if it was popular in our sort of culture where we live in Utah, but 
we've seen it for sure. Oh, like, no, I grew up watching it. And if you know Utah culture, like it's very, very like on the nose and it's like funny. Yeah. It might not be as funny to no. someone outside of it, but I, I probably not. But it is one that like I grew up watching as like it came out when I was like a teenager. And I remember thinking it was like the funniest version of Pride and Prejudice I'd ever seen. But it's also not like explicitly Mormon. I no. think that I don't even know if they use that phrasing and like they're at church, but I don't know if they ever, sh- uh-uh. it's more like if you are in Utah, you know exactly what they're doing, yes. but I don't know. I think maybe, maybe people might like it. Because there's this fantastic scene where Collins is like, I, I mean, I don't know where anyone would find it. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. It's such a small, like an indie film. And so I'm surprised my dad wasn't in it. Yeah, because Casey's dad has done a lot of local acting. I've done some background work in local movies. This is the type of movie I would have been in the background of. Right. So it's very small scale. Very funny, though. But like the Mr. Collins is the most obnoxious character. And he he he's one of my favorite Mr. Collins because he's, he's so bad he's, yeah. and so good. <laughs> But at one point, he's like up on the stands. This is after Lizzie has turned him down. And he's like up on the stands at church. And he's, you know, he's I don't know. He's giving a talk. He's giving yeah. a talk. But he's like, I don't know why any woman would, you know, turn down a, you know, a good gentleman, you know, a good gentleman because, you know, in the Bible, it says they need to get married. And, and you see her getting like more and more angry. And Lizzie's like has this daydream of like picking up a hymn book and chucking <laughs> it at his head. So and it like flies all the way across the church. This is the funniest, most amazing scene. It like clocks him in the forehead and he falls down and like everybody on the stands like stands up and cheers. <laughs> it's good. Also, the Wickham in that one is properly gross. and Oh, skeevy. he is. Just, yeah. You just look at him and he has one of those faces, yeah. you know? <laughs> right. And I actually like the Darcy in that one too. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth watching. If I, if yeah, he, I don't know, I don't know where you'd find it. it but, but it's so funny. Yeah. And so good. And the cast is really great. I've definitely met some Collins at college in Utah. Oh, man. Anyway, so I had to mention that one. And then um, I just discovered, uh, you mentioned it first in our research, I didn't know it existed, but the Lizzie Bennett Diaries. Well, some of our Discordians had mentioned it because the whole inception for this episode was you and I had watched Emma and then we were talking about it on the Discord um, with our patrons and some other people had mentioned Lizzie Bennett Diaries. Yeah, um, I didn't know right. it was like a I'd web forgotten. series, but... Uh, Yes. But I, so I'd sort of forgotten about it. And then in the process of researching for, for this episode, I, I realized what it was. So Yeah, so it's all on YouTube. And there's 100 episodes, but they're all short, like three to four minutes. Yeah. And so today I binged the first like 38 of them. Oh, wow. I'm only to like episode nine. So yeah. you're a lot farther than no, I no. am. I've met Collins. He's properly awful. I actually like this version of Lydia. Every other version of Lydia, I'm like, man, she's just the absolute worst. Yeah. I actually like this Lydia. She's fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> so Collins comes on camera. He does. Because this is going to be my question. My They do. And, and it's really interesting to see because it it's like a vlog. So yeah. it's her like video diaries. Mm-hmm. And so it starts out just like her and her friend who's doing the editing, who's... Um, you know, Charlotte. Yeah. And then you get like her sisters come in and they don't have all of her sisters in the story. Uh, she only has two. She's got Simplify Jane it. and Lydia, which is fine because they're like the main characters. Yeah. There's a really funny throwaway line where Lydia's like, I wanted a pony and then I got one. And then when the pony died, I got a cat and I named it Kitty and it followed me everywhere. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's laughs> <That's> like- fantastic. <laughs> it's like, okay, there's Kitty. So they do have these little, and they have a, a cousin named Mary who's, you know, pretty drab. But you don't yeah. ever see her on character. You just like hear about her. 
So they get all the characters there in different ways, and they do end up. It's interesting how they do end up getting other people on her yeah. on camera. Well, this is what I was going to ask because so I read, I watched. There's this good TED talk called uh, "What Jane Austen Can Teach Us About Our New Internet Internet Selves," and um, the the speaker Julie Sam Salmon Kelleher talks about the way Austen's stories are told. But she's specifically talking. It's not very long, but she's specifically talking about Jane Austen's writing style and sort of comparing it a little bit to the Lizzie Bennet diaries, um, which is kind of my entry point into this. And she talked about this idea of, so in when Jane Austen was writing, she was, um, she used what's called free indirect speech. And she wasn't the first one to use it, but she definitely helped make it popular and was one of the first to use it consistently. It's basically a way of using third person narrative and getting into the main character's head. And before that, if authors wanted to write novels and get into character's head, more often than not, they would use um, like letter writing or um, journal entries, those kinds of things. Um, so like an epistolary novel is what that was called. Um, but Jane Austen, for her time, was kind of weird in the way she was writing in terms of getting in the character's head in a third person narrative. Now that's not weird at all. And in this talk, she mentions how the Lizzie Bennet Diaries does this, that the vlog format allows the audience member to get into her head. But my thought was, and I've only watched the first eight or nine episodes, was, yeah, it lets you get into her head, but it, I feel like it um, compromises for action. You know, like it almost goes back to those epistolary letter writing journal entry novels where you get a lot, a lot, a lot of character thought but not as much action. So I'm interested in how, because you've watched more than I have, how they're able to get more to happen than just her thoughts. Does that make sense? Right. And that's what's interesting is that it happens in kind of accidental ways. Yeah. Or like, according to her, like she doesn't expect to really have, like she starts talking about Bing Lee and that's his name is Bing Lee. And so they like talk about him. And then at one point when, they're staying at his house. He thinks that she's sending a video, just a video, uh, a video to her friend, Charlotte. And so he comes in and he just like starts talking. Oh, hey, Charlotte, how's it going? Not realizing that like all of this is going up on the on the, webs, internet. Yeah. on the internet. And so she has a bit of a, you know, an existential crisis. Like, oh, well, should I tell him or should I not? But it, like, it's good content. But is that ethically icky, you know? Yeah. Um, but then, like, his sister knows about the blog, uh, the vlog, and so she tells him it's, you know, she kind of convinces her that it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so then they're kind of using this content um, that he doesn't know, you know, and still staying at their house, she ends up getting some of, like, Bingley and um, uh, Georgiana. No, that's Darcy's sister. I don't Car remember. Caroline, that's mm. her name. Uh, gets Caroline on there as well. And Caroline's kind of in on it. Um, so they find creative ways to yeah. tell the story. And uh, Mr. Collins, they go to a, a, a VidCon. Oh, okay. And he's somebody who works at there. And it's great because he has a, what is it, a, a capture vent, a capture venturist? What's the name of that? Capture venture capitalist? Yes, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I was totally Not swapping capture it. Capture ventilist? Yep. That's what I said. I love that capture ventilist. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> that his... Um, venture capitalist is um a you know somebody named Catherine deberg that he's always like uh, super excited is like investing in his um he has some kind of his own show i think it might be he might be like a you know you have like tv preachers but i think his is like internet preacher style uh, okay yeah 
So anyways, they kind of meet up at VidCon. And so he kind of ends up walking in on one of her videos there. And so, yeah, they have creative kind of ends up being accidental how all these people end up on her vlog. We haven't seen Darcy yet. I mean, I'm 38 episodes in and I haven't seen Darcy yet. Um, My favorite part about it was how delightfully meta it gets in spots because everyone knows how I love when things get meta. Like in a circular way, um, Lydia mentions when she first mentions Mr. Darcy and, and Lizzie is like, that's a dumb name. And then Lydia is like, that's not a dumb name. It's the same name as, as Colin Firth's character in um, Bridget Jones's diary, which itself was (laughs) slightly based on Pride and Prejudice. And they gave him the name of Darcy, which is ironic because he played Darcy in the 1995 version. So it's like this super circular meta Mm -hmm. um, blob. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I would recommend them. I think they're fun. They're really quick. So you can watch a few at a time. So I think that's all I have to say about Pride and Prejudice. Let's talk briefly about Mansfield Park because I don't have much to say about it. And then we can go into Emma. Okay. So Mansfield Park uh, has had a couple versions. They had one in 1999 that a lot of people really like. It's hard for me because Mansfield Park is like my least favorite Jane Austen book. So naturally the movies tend to be my least favorite. Be contrarian. That's going to be my favorite. We my can favorite watch is it. Mansfield Park, by yeah, the way. Go for it. <sighs> Fanny is too demure as far as all of Austen's heroines go. She's like having Jane as a main character, like somebody who can like, will just do what others say and rarely question it and lets people kind of mistreat her. So like you kind of root for Fanny, but it's hard because she's just so demure. But in the movie version, she is a little more bold, um, but they also make the movie version a little darker than the books. Which sounds amazing. Isn't hard to do because like her uncle and her oldest cousin, they go to... India or the West Indies or somewhere where they have property, which basically means that they have slaves and sugar plantations. So you like, you can see where it gets like, and that doesn't sound amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's like a short period, you know, like a short scene, but still like kind of colored the whole thing for me. Cause I was like, Oh, that's gross. Anyways. Uh, so that's the one and only, I wouldn't, I mean like I'd recommend watching it. I still thought it was a good movie, but not my favorite. So let's move on to Emma Casey, published in 1815. Austin, uh, it's really fun to read Austin's letters, especially to her sister Cassandra. Like they wrote back and forth a lot. And Cassandra was like the first one to hear about all of Austin's characters and new stories and things. And so in her sister, uh, in her letter to Cassandra, uh, Austin said that Emma Woodhouse was a heroine whom no one but myself will much like. <laughs> Which you find to be true. Which is funny because I find that very true. (laughs) I like that you see a lot of growth in Emma. And this newest version of Emma, this 2020 version, made me like her, which is more than any other version has ever done. So it's got that going for it, for sure. And it's not even that they changed her role so much because she really is still immature and she just doesn't realize the effects that she has on other people around herself. Like, yeah. And she really is just so focused on herself. Like she is her own priority. And then she has little projects that are people that she, you know, acts charitable towards, but does it more to make herself feel good than to actually be their friends. So Emma's an interesting character. Plus the movie has Bill Nye, who has my favorite voice of all voices. And I love him. And he's he really plays great a great eccentric character. I wanted more of him, but I mean, he doesn't really have that much to do in the story. So I understand why 
he's not really in it that much. But This is another very relatable point in Jane Austen's stories is that the parents are often a little bit eccentric or a little bit hard to understand or a little bit like it feels like how you feel about your own parents. You're like, well, I don't get why they do that or, yeah. you know, and it's very <laughs> relatable. But we also anything else to say about the new one? I guess we kind of talked about it earlier. No, nothing else. I think it's, it's definitely beautiful. worth watching. It's really good. Oh, and the music. I love it all. We need to mention Clueless. Clueless. That yes. was 1995, you were saying. Yep, also 1995. Which is a great modern version. I read this wonderful um, article in theringer.com about why Clueless is the best Jane Austen adaptation. And they make very compelling arguments. This idea Of course, that, they hadn't seen the newest one, right? No, they had. I think it came mm. out like as sort of... Uh, like simultaneously as the, as they would have been reviewing the movie. Oh, interesting. Because um, their feeling was that that Emma in the new movie was a little bit less clueless mm-hmm. um, and more naughty on purpose kind of a thing. Oh, interesting. Um, versus Cher in Clueless is very, you know, very clueless. She yes. doesn't know, like she doesn't, she's so rich and so much in this upper class, so much in the upper class that she doesn't realize, she doesn't know what she doesn't know. But not only that, and... So they mentioned that that was very true to the to the book and a lot of Jane Austen's stories about how the upper class is very clueless to what's going on um, and how Austen was, was satirizing them and that the movie did the same. But also this other, um, I had mentioned free indirect speech. Not a lot of Jane Austen adaptations use narration in any way. And so that a lot of people don't love the adaptations as much as the books because it's missing that very important piece to her writing style yes versus share narrates stuff and mm-hmm. gives her thoughts so yeah it's worth uh it's worth reading the article i'll link it in the in the show description they make a good case clueless is a really good movie i, I think, think it's a great movie it's easy to write off as a maybe ditzy or something but it's it's well, definitely it's not got way more heart than that it, yeah it's got some weight to it so well you know plenty of people wrote off jane austen too so exactly but the cast the cast is fantastic it's got paul rudd Paul Rudd. <laughs> Love that man. All right. Northanger Abbey. So Northanger Abbey has one version that we've seen. Yes. I don't remember what year. I didn't write down the year. But it has Felicity Jones and J.J. Field, which J.J. Field is in the Austin Land movie I was talking about. Mm, so meta. He's a very handsome fella. I really like J.J. Field. Yeah, he's great. He does great in both of them. Uh, Northanger Abbey's the most comedic of all of Jane Austen's books. I think that's a pretty accepted um title that it, it wins the funniest award 2007 just okay. looked it up for him thank you um but so that movie's no exception and jj fields does a great job of playing henry tilney is that his name yes all right what i loved about northanger abbey too is that it's not really mocking but slightly mocking um like the gothic romances because the, the main character what's what's her name Catherine. Um, she is like obsessed with these romances and wants her life to be like that and then right sort of through the course of it realizes that that's not she's so excited to go to the tilney's abbey yeah but then she realizes it's mostly been redone and it's not as gothic as she was imagining and then and then but she starts like imagining things like their mother died so the dad clearly killed her like (laughs) right which is like horrific to like you know she's made friends with the kids but then is like imagining that their dad was like (laughs) yeah a killer like i have a feeling that if i read northanger abbey it could be my favorite of hers Mm, read Um, it first but 
because something that Austin often did was was that was um, it's almost like a spoof. Like her her novels were often commenting on romance novels of the of the day and sort of twisting them and doing things differently because she didn't have to follow those conventions. So Northanger Abbey just takes that to another level of having the main character obsessed with these gothic novels and realizing that that's uh, not realistic. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Yeah, and I really like Henry Tilney's character. He's very. Um... He's like a teasing, you know, older brother kind of character. Yeah. And I really liked the movie a lot. It was great. Yeah. Recommend. Would recommend. We've watched it a couple times. Yeah. So then Persuasion, which is my favorite of Jane Austen's books, which is interesting because they say it's the least like her other writings. Oh. Which is interesting because I, I don't know. It feels very Jane Austen still to me. Um, But there is, there are a couple of versions of Persuasion. Um, like there was a movie in 2007 I'm pretty sure there was a BBC version for, and I think I've only seen the 2007 version, but it's very much, I don't know, like it's okay to me, if that may, you know, like it, it's got Sally Hawkins. I love Sally Hawkins. Yeah. And, uh, it was good. I mean, maybe I need to see it again, but it's hard when you have like the other adaptations I'm not as harsh on cause they're not my favorite book. So then you're a little harder on the ones that's like, well, this one's my favorite. <laughs> But I would still recommend it. It's still a great movie. And still, I mean, it's a fantastic book as well. Obviously, it's my favorite. But saying that, it's like Jane Austen didn't write a bad book, in my opinion. And then I've got a couple honorary mentions. Okay. Oh, I wanted to mention. So Northanger Abbey and Persuasion were both published the year Jane Austen died, like six months later or something, by her brother. And so at that point, they finally had her name attached to them. Very interesting. Um, And then... The family, because they were so supportive of all her writings that they like kept all of her works. Like even like she had journals of of stories she wrote when she was a young teenager. And then she had um, stories that were unfinished. And so there's uh, one of her stories that was it was it was written before any of her other works that got published, but it was never published. And it was called Lady Susan. And it's a. What do you call it? An, I can never say it right. Epistolary? An epistolary novel. I said it in this very episode. You weren't listening. Were I you? wasn't, apparently. <laughs> I said it twice. Well, no, I was in my own world. I was thinking about Jane Austen's world. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was an epistolary novel. It was written in letters. It's a good word. And it's called Lady Susan or Lazy Susan? Lady Susan. Or Lazy Susan would have been better. And Lady Susan is a widow who is pretty conniving because, you know, she has to be. She's got to find a future for herself. She doesn't have a lot of money and her unmarried daughter. So she's very much like a Mrs. Bennett, but like way worse, mm. way worse. <laughs> <laughs> like you often wonder if she has like questionable intentions to like younger men. And you're like, wait, oh. is she going to try and marry them? <laughs> Um, but there is a movie version of that that came out just a couple years ago, five, six years ago. I don't remember what year, Mm. but they actually titled it instead of titling it Lady Susan, they titled it Lazy Susan. Yes. They titled it Love and Friendship, which was the name of Jane Austen's, um, book that she wrote when she was like a teenager. Um, so that one, Love and Friendship, which is on Amazon prime. So we should watch it. Let's do it. Um, and then one other honorable mention Sanditon. Isn't that one fun to say? Sanditon. 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 Exactly. Sanditon. Do it British for me. Now, Sanditon was a unfinished novel of Jane Austen's when she died. Um, she had 
because uh, she was 41 when she passed away. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so she, and it's still a mystery exactly why, like her health was declining. And so there's like rumors like cancer of the stomach or Hodgkin's lymphoma, or they're trying to like put these old or these new diseases or, you know, new names of diseases yeah. to like a, somebody who died 200 years ago, which is... Well, that seemed to be whole, Jane Austen's whole life. There wasn't a whole lot known about her life because... Mm-hmm. A lot of her letters that she wrote, what, to her sister? Her sister, Her sister yeah. didn't want, um, you know, because Jane Austen was very honest about what she thought of the neighbors and other family members. And so her sister didn't keep a lot of them. She edited them or threw parts of it out. And so, um, which is understandable for the time. But then for biographers years later, there wasn't a lot to go on. Right. There's not as much as Becoming Jane would say there was. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. You haven't but seen it's got Becoming Hathaway, Jane? I'd watch it. I feel like you and I have watched it. I don't think... No, yeah, I have we watched have, it. We have. We've seen it. I think I have watched it, yeah. Yes, because it does have Anne Hathaway. And it's not a bad movie by any means. But then when you look up like her actual life, you're like, well... Apparently it wasn't very memorable because I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they took it. a lot of liberties with her actual life story. Um, they made it a little more epic than her life seemed to have actually been. And um, But yeah, so Sanditon was a book that was... She had laid out all the characters and like the beginning of the story. So it was like at least halfway complete. And so just this year in January, I just barely found this out. It was PBS published or like, um, not published, but filmed, filmed, put out a, uh, a mini series. Like there's eight episodes hmm. to Sanditon, which was fun. I was watching a little clip with the director and, and the writers and they were saying it was really nice to come into like Jane Austen's world, but then to be able to kind of, put their own ideas into it too because there was no actual ending so they kind of got to write they got to write their own ending a choose your own adventure and they had the characters pretty well identified and laid out but then they kind of got to modernize them in some ways and and take more liberties than you would with like a finished completed work of Jane Austen's so it seems like it's a little bit of both and it looks really good and I want to watch it I need a PBS subscription for like a month so that I can watch all eight episodes. Do you need a subscription to PBS? If you want to watch things like on demand. Okay. Like streaming. I mean, I suppose if it happened to be on your local PBS channel, you could catch it at a certain time. I don't know. That's not something I know. But I do know that I want to watch it because it looks really good. And I think that's all that I have to say about Jane Austen adaptations. I mean... I'm sure I could think of more, but... I had one more thing to say. Let's hear it. Um, It's interesting to look at adaptations in other countries, because we mostly talked about, like, United States and British adaptations. Ones that we've seen, yeah. Um, But there are other countries that will take the, you know, the basic structure of the plot and apply it um, to their own modernizations in some way. And uh, Jane Austen adaptations are very popular in India, because in Indian culture, it's often still part of their culture that there's arranged marriages and a lot of Jane Austen's novels have um, quasi arranged marriages and um, also they're very uh, like chaste there's little to no kissing in Jane Austen and and in Bollywood it's they still don't show kissing on screen so they work out perfectly yeah it's fantastic they, that's why they love Jane Austen over there I want to see a Bollywood version of yeah. Pride and Prejudice sounds fun yeah, let's find one of those too. So we need to find a, a Tarkin as Darcy, mm-hmm. a Bollywood version. Yeah. I need to watch Sanditon. 
Mm-hmm. I need to finish the... This is just growing my list of things to watch. I need to finish the Sense and Sensibility that's on Hulu. And I need to fin- finish the Lizzie Bennett Diaries. And you need to read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And I need Zombies. to read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. <laughs> you might like that one more since you like Sense and Sensibility so much. I do love it so much. I love them all so much, though. Well, Casey, I mentioned my media recommendation earlier. Mm -hmm. What's your media recommendation? Also, I just listed like four more things that I plan on watching. (laughs) So (laughs) there's plenty. I recently read a book that's really good called The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. Um, And it's really good. It's written in uh, poem form, but it tells a whole story. So every sort of scene is written as a poem, um, which totally, it's not just a gimmick. It totally fits into the main character who is a poet. And it's, uh, it's about a young woman who is really into poetry, but is sort of hiding it. And she's um, a woman of color and it's written by a woman of color. And it's just, it's a really good book. And I liked the way that the, the, the poetry worked within the story and um, the story went in some interesting ways and some good drama. And yeah, it's just really good. I highly recommend it. And it's a quick read too, because it's written in, in poem form. I really read it in two or three sittings. So yeah, check it out. She's putting more things on my list, Casey. <laughs> Never ending. Well, let us know what you think about Jane Austen, Jane Austen adaptation. I am always 100% up for a Jane Austen discussion. Casey is too. Yeah. And the ble- the blessed. <laughs> it is the blessed place to talk yes. to us. But it's also the best place to talk to us is on Discord, which is a awesome uh, service. If you've never used Discord, it's super easy to use and it's totally worth worth your time. And chat effort. boards where people yeah. talk about all kinds of fun stuff. And ours is very family friendly. It's got amazing mods who moderate it, and it doesn't even really need to be that moderated because the people there are just so great and um, and wholesome and and friendly. And but yeah, the best of positive peeps. The best way to to contact us is through there, and th- to do that, just head to Patreon.com/slash Hello From Elsewhere. Yeah. And it's only three dollars a month, and you get to come chat with all of us. Yeah, and there's other awesome tiers in there, but the three dollar a month is definitely worth worth the money and time and and effort. But and see, I would say you want to go up to the $7 tier. You could become true. a swashbuckler of patron because we now have two bonus episodes coming out every month just for our $7 and up patrons. Yep. So every other week we get a bonus episode and every other week you get a main episode. So if you're a swashbuckler of elsewhere, you get hello from elsewhere every single week. Yep. What if there's a fifth Friday? We're just doing it every other week, not by okay. month. So, yeah. Perfect. So, even Fifth Friday, you'd, you'd get, you get something. get something. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, if you love us and want more, become a patron. And we just want to say thanks to our patrons. I love You're you awesome guys. And you guys um, are so amazing. And if, if uh, our podcast adds value to your life, we highly. Uh, we would love if you share it with others. Yeah. That's how we get the word out. Say, hey, you like Jane Austen? I just listened to this fantastic Jane Austen mm-hmm. podcast episode. Yeah, exactly. Sadly, we're not all about Jane Austen all the time, but, you know, <laughs> she comes up more often than not. Yes. <laughs> we want to give a shout out to our newest patron, Haley. Thank you, Haley, for we have joining. We Haley's, and we they're do. spelled the same. And so I wanted to make sure that we mentioned Haley twice. Now, those yes. Haley's don't know which one I'm mentioning you know, both times, but <laughs> we don't want to put last names on here. Yeah. <laughs> Privacy. <laughs> well, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at elsewhere underscore pod. Hello from elsewhere is a proud member of WBNE. Visit WBNE.org for more amazing podcasts like Sincerely Us if you want to explore musical theater in a fun, positive, happy, non pretentious way. Do it. It's awesome. You can check out Bagels if you want some 
relationship advice or just to listen to two people that love each other talk to each other which is always fun or check out that's what i'm talking about with a promo right here that's what i'm talking about follows me mary clay on my first ever journey through lord of the rings each week a guest joins me for a chapter by chapter discussion of the books where i also make some bold predictions my current theory is that it's gonna end like the movie holes when Stanley is carrying Zero up the mountain because Madame Zeroni cursed his family. Oh my gosh. That's what I'm talking about every Tuesday, wherever you get podcasts. We love That's What I'm Talking About. Yeah. Great show. Mary We've Clay's both so been great. on it a few times. Yeah. Mary Clay's the best. Super fun. Well, Mr. Collins is coming this way, so let's walk very swiftly in the other direction. Let's get out of this garden. Yep. <laughs> Could you imagine? Mr. Collins at Pemberley. I'm pretty sure Dicey would just toss him out. Creeping through the hedges. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine this. <laughs> That's why I'm getting out of here. Because I can see it. His eyes. With Watching my waking Watching you eyes. from underneath the rock. <laughs> what? Is that from something? Yes, Casey. From underneath the rock? Yes. I can't sing the rest of it because it gives it away. It says the name of who's watching. Watching you from underneath the rock. I don't know. The mole person? <laughs> no. Um, You've seen her kind of eyes watching you from underneath the rock. I don't know, Cruella Santa Claus. Deville. Oh. Cruella Deville. If she doesn't scare you, no evil so thing long. will. Like, it's <laughs> it <is>. so long. <laughs> I'd skip Anyways, it. Anyways, <sighs> Cruella Deville, Collins, Cruella Collins. They're just, same you know, thing. same thing. Happy creeping, beeps. Creeping in the hedges. Happy beeps. Happy creepy beeps. <laughs>